0: Truth universally I acknowledged. Myself have noticed my growing resemblance that to a gold Does not glitter. I If you want to rebel, rebel from exist, inside the system. But because they tell us that dragons. I'm your host, Vicky from Miss Vicky's Bookcase. Let's begin our story together. Hello, it's that time of year when lots of things are coming out in preparation for Christmas, and that includes a lot of video games. I'm a big fan of video games and I'm especially excited to get my hands on Assassin's Creed Valhalla. With that thought in mind, I thought it'd be a bit of fun to recommend some books associated with that time period, which is the Viking period. There should hopefully be something for everyone as we cover historical fiction, a little bit of fantasy, children's, and non fiction, as well as a couple of books that were actually written in that time period. Now, having said that, I think the only people I didn't grab something for with the young adults and they might feel a little bit left out but i haven't really come across anything good that i could recommend but i could be wrong though so if you know of any good young adult books that you'd like to recommend as a viking book please do let me know so we're going to move on we have 16 books so i'm going to try and keep this as brief as possible <laughs> say try I will try and keep it brief the other good thing about this list is there are several books that are part of series so I've given you the very first book in the series and if you enjoy it you can always carry on further on in the the series if that makes sense so we're going to start with our very first one and that is the last kingdom by bernard cornwall now you probably do know this one already because this has been made into a netflix series well it started off with bbc but it got made into the netflix series and was originally known as the saxon stories or the saxon tales so that's where you'll probably know it from. So this is set in England in the 9th and 10th centuries and these were the years where the Danish Vikings were invading and occupying England and this is when King Alfred who you probably would have heard of and his son and grandson fought back and won the freedom of the country. This is seen through the eyes of utred a dispossessed English nobleman who was captured as a child and then grew up with the Danes and he finds his allegiances divided. It's really exciting and I have to say, Bernard Cornwall is one of my favourite historical fiction writers. He does such a good job of doing different historical series. He's done things like the uh, Excalibur series, and also he's well known for his Sharp series, which I used to read as a kid, so they're really good. There are 13 books in this series you'll be happy to know, so if you really like this, then you've got another 12 books to get through, and I think he's still carrying on the series as well, so um, it's a good series to get your teeth into. I feel like I should add my apologies in here, now before I go any further because there are words and names that I'm not going to be very good at pronouncing so my apologies if I mangle it a little bit I am trying and I have practiced but sometimes the words just don't seem to want to come out properly so with that in mind I'm going to give you the second book which is by Franz Bengtsson and it's called Long Ships. now this is written in 1941 and this is all about the fantastic world of the 10th century of course when Vikings roamed and rampaged everywhere from Scandinavia down to the mediterranean and this is all about this time a man called red orm well man he's only a boy when he is abducted by the Vikings from his Danish home and he has to row on one of their dragon prowled ships. He's then captured by the Moors in Spain where he works for the Caliph of Cordova, he also escapes from that and then he washes up in Ireland and he kind of meets the Christian monks and so on and so forth and he gets involved in a lot of plots. So, this is kind of a little bit of fun, like rags to riches kite situation, and it's a lot of battles and blood feuds, and it's told with a lot of wit and high spirits. So, it's a lot of fun, and I am currently in the midst of rereading that as well, so I'm kind of excited to carry that on. So, number three is God of Vengeance by Girls Christian, and that's part of the Rise of Sigurd trilogy. Now, also, just side note, Girls Christian also features a little bit later actually his next again but he did write two really good trilogies so worth sticking with so the god of vengeance is set in norway 385 ad so again around the time when the vikings were invading the uk and this book is all about vengeance because where this is set um king gorm puts the jarl harrod's family to the sword and he misses on the one son which is the youngest son sigurd and basically, with all the kin slain, all his village seeds, and he taken as a slave, Sigurd basically rises to the top and creates a small bond of followers. And using cunning and warcraft, Sigurd basically gathers a fellowship almost, including his father's right hand man Olaf, Bram, Black Floki. Uh, who wields Death of the Blade and the Shield Maiden Guard who feels no men, and convinces them to follow him and have his revenge. So, kind of exciting. If you like revenge tales, this is definitely the one for you. And as I said, it's part of a trilogy. So, if you enjoyed this one, then you can always read the rest in the series. Sticking with the theme of girls, Christian, we have Blood Eye, which is the Raven trilogy, and this is all about uh, a chap called. Osric who lived a simple life he was an apprentice to the mute old carpenter and he almost was an outcast but thankfully the carpenter took him in but the Norsemen come across his village and they burn it and they also destroy his life and of course take him prisoner. I'm beginning to find it slightly funny that most of the books i'm talking about they're being taken prisoner or their life has been destroyed so they've got to take revenge (laughs) ah anyway so with him as a prisoner the chief that took him prisoner sigurd the lucky believes that their fate is intertwined with the boys and basically he learns how to be a natural warrior and forges a blood bond with sigurd who renames him raven hence the raven trilogy Now in this, of course, the Norseman's world is a savage one and loyalty is often repaid in blood. a lot of people just get killed and that is part of what the Vikings believed in, of course, the best way to die is to die in battle. So you can see why a lot of these themes or books have the themes of blood death vengeance, also the good news for me, I don't know about you, is the fact that he does end up going to England I believe and he has to steal something from them, the holy book of course, and he kind of bumps into Cindereth, an English girl with a soul to match his own, so I'm kind of excited because I love a bit of romance in my historical fiction, I know people can be a bit meh about it but I do love to have that aspect. So, number five is Norse Mythology by Neil Gaiman, and this is a really good one because there are a series of books based on Norse mythology, and they start with the... Um, beginning with the kind of like the norse genesis and you basically have all the different major norse pantheons so you have odin the highest of the high you have thor odin's son who is strong but yeah not very wise if you think about thor from the marvel universe but we're not kind of thinking of him and of course loki who is the son of a giant and blood brother to odin who's a trickster and a um he's a manipulator again referring to the marvel thor um it's very very similar so i really enjoy these ones it talks about the genesis of course of the legendary nine wolves and delves into the exploits of deities dwarfs and giants and it's very witty i do tend to like neil gaiman he's got american gods which as an aside you might want to read as well anyway it's not totally focused on the norse gods which is why American Gods isn't actually featured in this really. But I thought it might be a nice honourable mention to mention that one as well. Really good one also. So number six is The Broken Sword by Paul Anderson. Now this is quite an old one as well. I think it's written in the 1960s. And it's all about Thor who has a broken sword called Tyfring. He cannot strike at the roots of... Oh, I'm going to say this really badly. Yggdrasil, the tree that binds together the earth, heaven and hell. But with the mighty sword needed again to save the elves in their war against the trolls, only scaflick, a human child kidnapped and raised by the elves, can persuade Bolverk, the ice giant, to make the Tyfrink whole again. But scaflick, i'm really saying this so badly must confront his shadow self veil the changing who has taken his place in the world of men so that's also very intriguing and a little bit more gentle than the real blood and vengeance this one's more of an adventure and i hadn't realized that this was more of a viking thing i actually have a copy at home which is just embarrassing it's been a very long time since i've i've looked at it so we won't say how long that has been anyway moving on and we're going to do some children's books in this as well so I've got how many have I got I've got the next three are children's books and I do have an honorable mention as well with the children's books now the first I'm going to mention is something that I read as a child in the uh, 90s and it actually got made into a film as well and it's the film I remember more than the book I really enjoyed the film and I used to watch that on repeat along with the Goonies And that is The Saga of Eric the Viking. Now this is a tale of a Viking warrior, of course, named Eric, but he's no ordinary Viking. With his trusty bands of men, he sets sails in search of the land where the sun goes at night, but he sees so much more. It's a lot of fun. There's sea dragons, dogfights, giants, so many different things and it all combines to make this great thrilling saga and it does remind me of other sagas written at that time because it's just such a good adventure and i really enjoyed it and even better by the way i should have mentioned this is by terry jones of the monty python fame and of course he sadly died earlier on this year so i think this is a good tribute to him as this is one of my favorite books from him Number eight is a little bit of a non-fiction. I'm throwing a little non-fiction here since we're just doing the children's books and that is one again one of my favorite books from my childhood and that is The Horrible Histories Vicious Vikings. It's really fun. I remember reading it and really enjoying it as a kid. And I love the frightening facts about the vile invaders from the north and the savage enemies. I really enjoyed the fact that there's a There's a man called Fat Fies. I mean, honestly, (laughs) that's the funniest thing I've heard. And of course, there's other names like Oaf and Stinking, also really funny. So again, I can recommend that, especially for the kids. It's something that I know they're going to like, especially if they're into that kind of thing. Which leads me on nice and neatly to number nine, which is How to Train Your Dragon by Krojesa cole she is one of my favorite children's authors she is fantastic and i really love this series there's quite a few in the series i want to say there's 13 in this series as well but i can't quite remember and it's about hiccup horrendous haddock the who you keep seeing him as an adult and it's t- telling stories from his childhood about how he went from basically a wimp he's not really a wimp he's quite a clever boy really but quite a few vikings see him as this wimp this no good and how he becomes the chief of the vikings it's fantastic i really enjoyed it and also just so you know as well credessa cole also recorded her books on YouTube so she did a chapter a day during the first set of lockdowns and I really (laughs) enjoyed listening to that it was one of the things I did daily and it's not very long chapters either and if you've got children again who love dragons who love vikings it's really a good tale to tell and I really can't highly recommend listening to the audiobook together I mean you can listen to the audiobook that's been professionally produced but Trust me when I say just go and watch the author's YouTube video her face when she tells the stories is fantastic. Our honourable mention from the children's section is Rick Reardon's Magnus Chase series which is all about the Norse gods and it's very similar to his very first series which was all about the Olympic gods and of course the son of a the Olympic gods, and it's very similar with the Magnus Chase series, so that's my honourable mention. Now, moving on to non fiction, we are going with number 10, which is Far Traveller by Nancy Marie Brown. I'm kind of excited to share this book with you because it's all about a Viking woman named Gudrid who sailed off the edge of the known world 500 years before Columbus, basically finding a home in the new world. She landed there and lived there for three years, giving birth to a baby before going home, which is what the Icelandic sagas say. And by the way, they did find a Viking longhouse in Newfoundland uh, quite a while ago, but no one still believed the details of Gudrid's story. And then in 2001, I think a team of scientists discovered what may have been this woman's last house buried under a hayfield in Iceland. So just where the saga suggested it would be. This is about all that information coming together and with the latest te- archaeological techniques of course and tracing her steps on land and in the sagas. So this is quite fun for me because I am an ex-archaeologist, uh, well I say ex-archaeologist, I kind of did my degree in it but that's about as far as I got. And so this is quite excited about whether the legend has painted her as true and whether this actually illuminates her life so I recommend this quite highly especially if you're interested in archaeology and you want to see how they are working things out. Number 11 is going to be Alfred's Britain War and Peace in the Viking Age by Max Adams. Now this of course again is non-fiction and this is set in the year 865 where the North Warriors of course are landing on England's eastern coast and they overwhelm East Anglia with very terrifying swiftness and laid the north to waste. And in 871, a little bit further on, they penetrate deep in the southern kingdom of Wessex, which of course is ruled by Alfred the son of Aelfwulf, or oh, I can't pronounce that very well, but you'll get the drift. And it's as if the whole world is going to be destroyed. This basically tells you the story of how Alfred and his successors and fellow kings of Britain adapt and basically face this apocalyptic threat and how this lays the foundations for the modern Britain we know today. So that's kind of a bit of fun, I thought I'd throw that in there especially as it's about England and this time period specifically if we're going to go with Assassin's Creed Valhalla this is exactly the time period that the game is set in so this is definitely one to read if you want to know any further after playing the game or even before you want to play the game. Moving on to number twelve, and that is the Sea Wolves, A History of the Vikings by Lars Brownworth. Now, this is a great one as well, and a very much an ideal introduction to the world of vikings and the historical period of the vikings the great thing about this book is that it assumes you don't have any prior knowledge and it's written in an accessible style because sometimes some of the non-fiction is written in the style that's very long-winded and a bit on the boring side i mean i'm not mentioning any names or anything so um but you know you've probably come across one or two books of those in your lifetime and what it discusses is different aspects of the norse life with the focus being squarely on the vikings accomplishments as warriors and raiders i mean if you look at all the fictional books i've just recommended other than maybe the children's ones You can see that they are mostly raiders and fighters which is what I've always known the Vikings as and this is a great starting point for you to be able to plunge into the world of the Vikings and there are so many other books by the way that I could have recommended for the non-fiction I had to restrain myself to only the two or three because otherwise this list is going to get overwhelming and I don't want it to be that way. Oh, I should also mention, by the way, as an aside, if you want to know more about the Vikings and you live in the UK, I can't highly recommend enough going to Jorvik in York. It is fantastic. That is one of my favourite places to go for a museum. You get to sit on a ride and you get to smell the whole village. and. The whole scene or the whole setup is amazing and it gives such a different impact because the Vikings aren't just raiders. Now I just said that that's what mostly I think about but they aren't just raiders, they are very good merchants as well when they actually get themselves going. Now moving on from the non-fiction, I just wanted to give the last three books as original writings from that time period and these have been translated now into english so do feel free to try and get hold of copies now the first one which is number 13 on the list is the poetic edda which is a collection of old mythological and heroic poems which is composed by anonymous poets in iceland or scandinavia during the viking age and or or shortly thereafter it's a bit woolly sometimes Putting a specific age range in sometimes can be very woolly because you can't really be quite decisive. I mean, I know we have been with certain age periods, like 1485 is the end of the medieval period in the UK, but it can be a bit woolly across the whole of Europe. Before I move on to the next one, I just thought I'd recommend the translation by Jackson Crawford. There are other translations, because of course this is um, in Icelandic or whichever language the Vikings talked in at that time, I can't think for the life of me what it was, but I do recommend the jackson Crawford translation because there are other translators who have done the job as well but they're not as clear as jackson Crawford's and it's very clear and understandable and preserved the beauty of the original most translations tend to do one or the other but not both and it can be a quite difficult let me put it that way having done some translation myself when i was younger when i did the, a different set of poems now number 14 and this might sound confusing because we've had the poetic edda and now we're going to have the prose edda which is by snorri still which was translated by Jesse L. Byock. well at least that's the one I'm recommending, and it's quite confusing because it's Poet Edda and now Prose Edda. Now this was written in the 13th century by the Icelandic scholar Snorri Sturluson, and it is considered to be the second major important source for information on Norse mythology and all that kind of thing. It was originally written as a treatise on the mythology behind numerous conventional images in old Norse poetry and it was to be used by poets and those who wanted to understand the older poets better. So again, one, if you really want to deep delve into the Vikings and you've had such a good taste, it's always interesting reading things that have been written in past centuries because of their language, just be aware of that, it can be difficult sometimes to get into, but again this is going to be quite accessible and is a treasure trove of facts that might have been lost throughout the centuries. Moving on to number 15, we're almost there, and that is the saga of the Volsungs. Now this is quite possibly the most popular and influential of the Icelandic sagas, which along with the Eddas are the most important literary sources of the present knowledge of the Vikings other than of course the ones that are in England if this makes sense so this is kind of covering more Europe than just England and the saga of the Volsings is an epic story and recounts the larger-than-life deeds of the Volsung clan, who the gods had a hand in their fortunes, especially the hero Sigurd. Throughout the saga, we have dragons, treasures lost and recovered, humans becoming animals, and animals becoming people. And this is a lot of fun, and you're gaining knowledge while you're at it, so dun-dun-dun! So the other thing to mention as well, fun fact, is that this book, this saga, is actually the basis also for Richard Wagner's ring operas, and a major inspiration for J.R.R. Tolkien's The Lord of the Rings. I quite enjoyed learning about that fact. Now, number 16 is the very last one, thankfully, and that is one that I thought I'd share, and this is the one that I know best, unlike the saga of the, I'm going to pronounce it wrong, the Volsungs, which I hadn't ever heard of until I'd uh, done research for this and had a read this is one I've always known about and that is Beowulf now this is an old English epic poem and I had to translate this when I was at university and trust me it is epic and I have great respect for those who do translations now this is set in the sixth century in scandinavia which is kind of loosely still viking i think it's all as i said the terms get a bit free flowing sometimes but i'm still classing this as viking and this of course is all about beowulf who is a hero he comes to the aid of Hrothgar, the king of the danes whose mead hall in herod has been under attack by a monster known as grendel and basically beowulf slays him and grendel's mother attacks the hall and then is also defeated but it doesn't end there and i don't want to spoil the rest of it if you've never actually read it i do recommend it again especially if you like battles between creatures and humans and humans winning sounds really weird when i say humans winning but you know what i mean Now I almost decided to leave these last ones off, this is honourable mentions and I'm mentioning these because I'm not sure I want to recommend these or not but I thought I'd just mention the author's names because these were written in the 1990s, there is nothing wrong with the 1990s, however they are historical romances. By the way, also, nothing wrong with historical romances. I love reading historical romances. But they are a bit on the explicit side sexually, if that makes sense. And really, I'm hesitant to recommend them because they are explicit. But I do see them quite often on lists. And... But I am going to mention their names so that you do know that they do have explicit content. And the authors are Joanna Lindsay, Sandra Hill and Catherine Coulter. They are foremost with Viking Saga books or Viking Saga romances. That's all I'm going to say about that. And that's my honourable mentions for the book list and that also brings us to the very end of the list. Phew that's a lot of books to go through but I do recommend all the books that are on the list and this is only just a starting point for you if you really enjoy the Viking books. There are so many books that I left off the list because I just didn't want the list to be overwhelming with one kind of book or the other so please do take this as your starting point and take the plunge into the world of the Vikings and I will see you in the next podcast. Bye! Our story together has come to a close. Join me next time for a new adventure. Ank Morpook, Pearl of Cities. People really are this like houses. This not. With vast rooms and tiny libraries rooms. were full of ideas. Perhaps the most dangerous and delighted in the smell of the ink, the rough feel of the paper had commented once. That Neil had a gift for making someone by children is not a good children's a very story. minded in the refused to be influenced by literature and poetry.